Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deach. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Preaching the Word. Today, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to start out reading Psalm 100. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. As we head into our holiday of Thanksgiving, let's consider what it truly means to be thankful. Now, I love sitting down at the table with my family and friends and eating turkey, potatoes, stuffing, green bean casserole, and yams with all the fixings, and giving thanks to God. And celebrating the harvest, setting aside some time to give thanks to God for his provision, is biblical. Maybe you're familiar with one of the festivals that God had commanded Israel to celebrate in the Old Testament. It was called the Feast of Tabernacles, or sometimes the Feast of Booths. It's where all the Jewish men who were 12 years old or older were expected to come and gather at the festival. And so their families would come, they'd set up tents and booths, and they would celebrate the harvest. And this lasted for eight days. It was a time of joyous celebration as the Israelites celebrated God's continued provision for them during the harvest season, and they remembered his provision and protection during the 40 years in the wilderness after they left slavery in Egypt. As a side note, the Feast of Tabernacles is one of two feasts in Scripture that's talked about continuing during the Millennial Kingdom when the saints reign with Jesus Christ for 1,000 years. So technically speaking, celebrating and giving thanks for God's provision and protection will continue even after we're raised from the dead. I'm not quite sure how in our busy society today, with everything so fast-paced, how taking eight days off would work. But it was God's plan for Israel. And it's his plan for us in the future. Today, the holiday season can be stressful and overwhelming for many people, rather than being a time of thanksgiving and rest. Family conflicts are often brought to the forefront, and our culture promotes 
and endorses a celebration around material things rather than around God and each other. When I think of what Scripture teaches is at the heart of being thankful, it goes much deeper than turkey and potatoes. It goes deeper than God's physical protection and provision. In fact, it even goes deeper than family and friends. When I think of what we should be thankful for, my mind goes to God's provision for our sin through Christ Jesus. That God proved his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What if we're still in the wilderness and all we have to eat is manna? Can we still be thankful? What if our family and friends reject us because they reject the message of the Messiah and they reject God's love through Jesus Christ? Can we still be thankful? What if people label us as hate mongers because they see us as an obstacle to fully embracing their sinful lifestyles? Do we still have a reason? to be thankful. Amen and hallelujah we do for God's provision and protection for us through Jesus Christ is all we need. While we as believers should be doing what we can to live at peace with even our enemies, it does not mean compromising the message about Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to the last four verses of the Beatitudes. As Jesus was speaking, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, it's not my intention to turn this into a sermon on persevering in trial. But, my friends, we have reason to be thankful, even in the darkest of times. Did you hear our Lord's words? Rejoice and be thankful. Rejoice and be glad that your reward is great in heaven for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we stand in Christ Jesus, we always have reason for thanksgiving. I want to take a closer look at Psalm 100 with you. The psalm starts out, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Here we begin to see what it looks like to be thankful. If we're thankful, we should be rejoicing. We should be making a joyful noise. We should be singing songs to the Lord. You'll notice that this psalm begins by commanding all the earth to make a joyful noise. It begins by declaring that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and all the earth should praise him. It reminds me of Philippians 2, 10 through 11, which read, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. My friends, either we choose to bow our knee to Jesus Christ as Savior now, or we will bow our knee in fear when Christ comes as the judge. The words, joyful noise, in verse 1 of Psalm 100, could be translated, shout triumphantly. We're to shout triumphantly to the Lord. The word means figuratively to split the ears. And if you've ever heard some of us sing, (laughs) David's just about right. I don't know how many times I've heard people grumble about the music at church. I don't like that style of music, or the music is too loud, or they should use, shouldn't use that kind of instrument. But none of those things bother God. But what does bother him is our grumbling about it. He's not upset if you can't carry a tune or if you like the piano or the guitar, or if you sing a psalm, a hymn, or a song of worship. In fact, he commands you to make an ear-splitting sound for him. Now, thankfully, we have gifted people that can lead our worship that tend not to split our ears. That's not all of us. What God wants is a heart that is thankful. He's looking for a people who rejoice at who he is. That's why he says, make a joyful noise. Because making noise is about all some of us can do. So let's be joyful about it. The psalm continues. In verses 3 and 4, it reads, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. These two verses are actually very amazing to me. 
There's a call to repentance right here. In verses 3 and 4, there's a transition that's being made from verses 1 and 2. Where in verses 1 and 2, God had commanded the whole earth to make a joyful noise, now there's a command to know the Lord. He is God. It's He who made us. And we are His. The God of the Bible. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the God who knit us together in our mother's womb. He is the one who upholds the universe. You, me, your family, every person on earth are his. Here we see in a general sense that God owns all creation. There's nothing outside of his sovereignty. And then it transitions to we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God's people and his sheep are those who believe in the Messiah. Today we know that they are those who have trusted in the name above all names, in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. This is a call for those who are gods through Genesis to become gods through grace. It's a call for those who are gods through formation to become gods through faith. To turn from their rebellion and trust in the Creator that made them and has made a way to reconcile their soul. Come and enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The psalm continues. Only those who are God's children by grace can enter his gates. Only those who by faith in the Redeemer can come into his courts. Only his people know that he is Lord. Praise his name and give thanks to him, children of Christ. Bless his name. The psalm ends with, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. For the Lord is good. Now it's impossible to understand the good news until we hear the bad news. We live in a dangerous world where what is good is called evil. And for many, especially our younger people, understanding what is good can be a very complicated issue. Our media, our schools, are all indoctrinating them into dangerous theories. Today, those who stand on biblical marriage are seen as bigots. Those who believe in saving the unborn 
are seen as oppressors of women, and those who believe in God as sovereign over the nations are called racists. Yet God is good. No earthly authority can change the unchanging nature of God. And these issues are not political issues. They're spiritual issues. The word good here in Psalm 105 could be translated godly, pleasing, or desirable. All of mankind is lost in sin. All people are ungodly, unpleasing, and undesirable before a good God. There is no one righteous among us. And because God is good, the just punishment for our sin is death. The scripture says the wages of sin is death. And the harsh reality is that before a good God, all of us deserve eternal damnation. We live in a world of suffering and death. Not because God is cruel, but because God is merciful. We have life today, not because you deserve it, but because God in his mercy has given you another day to wake up and draw breath. God, who is good, has given us a way of reconciliation back to himself. Through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, at the cross for your sin. And he has shown us that he is good by his power over death and the devil. When he rose and conquered the grave, to all who believe on him, he forgives sin. To those who know, of God's forgiveness, they know that God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness is to all generations. The love that God has shown us through the Messiah Jesus was not just for a specific time or for a specific people group. It is for all time and for all nations. One of God's names is faithful. God is the faithful one. It's an attribute of who he is. He cannot be faithless. He is always faithful. I have a plaque in my garage that says, God always keeps his promises. It's a way of reminding me of God's faithfulness. God is faithful to all generations. There's never going to be a time when God will not be faithful to accept someone that repents of their sin and puts their faith in the Messiah. If this is you today, 
Please get rooted in a Bible-believing church and let your pastor know. At the end of the Great Commission, Jesus said, And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. Jesus told us that he would be faithful to us to the very end of this age. I am so thankful to know of God's goodness and his faithfulness to us through Jesus Christ. And I hope this will be the central part of your Thanksgiving celebration. God bless you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understandings. 